Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in Brooklyn, joined as always by John, who's abroad in New Zealand. What's going on, John? Uh, it's been an interesting news week this week. A lot going on. It's true. It's been an interesting media week, and you know, sports playoffs are in full str- swing. Um, yeah, I'm Rangers, sure New York Rangers is buzz, right? Them. They're crashing and yeah. burning. They're, are they? Did the they Knicks, are they out of the, the playoffs? Knicks are they done? The Knicks won. They the went, Knicks are playing the Miami Heat. They're in. They're wow. in the next round. Is this the first time the Knicks have won a playoff game in like, in a very long time? Yes, it's in like me it's been being decades. alive. Uh, maybe not you being alive because the Knicks were good in the nineties, and you were alive. Oh, okay, fair um, enough. But it's alive. been a very long time since the Knicks have been where they are now. So yeah, they were a good, good enough chance, to have uh, that uh, to have that Whoopi Goldberg movie. Yes. Were they good when that movie came out or no? Wasn't Juana Man also at Knicks as well? No, I don't think was, so. Did he not play for the Knicks or something, or he didn't play and then he like switched over as like to play in the WNBA? I thought he Let's played see. for, or was it Atlanta? Was it the? He played for someone, right? I think so. Well, they it was a fictionalized version of the NBA, so it was the UBA. I'm looking at the Wikipedia uh, now. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't. Yeah. But, I just um, remember Juana Man playing for some team. Let's be real. Uh, you like just wanted Mike? to say. You just wanted to say Juana Man. Oh, it's, it's a great reference. Juana yeah, Man is a movie is that we could good. not make today. There's this a lot dude, of movies that were made back in like the early 2000s, late early late 90s, early 2000s that we could not make today. And Juana Miguel Man a. a. Nunez Jr. Hey, let's do this. We haven't done this in a while. Who's older? That guy, Miguel A. <laughs> Nunez Jr., who was I mean, Black the star of crack, Juana Man, so, or yeah. Paul Giamatti? I'm going to say Juana Man is older because Black don't crack. He's probably like almost 60. Yeah, that dude is three years older than Paul Giamatti. Yeah, yeah. He looks great, right? Because black don't crack. Is he still working? Yeah, he's still working. Yeah, why not? I mean, he wasn't in, he hasn't been, oh, he's in 14 upcoming things. Holy crap. Not only is he working, he's been working hard. Yeah, he's working. Look at that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, but what was that movie with uh, with Whoopi Goldberg? What the hell was that? Um, Goldberg. Ed, was it Eddie? Yes, Eddie. That's right. Yeah, where she's like the basketball coach. Yeah, that was ninety six. Yeah, she was just like a huge Knicks fan, and then yeah. she basically becomes the coach or something like that. I remember seeing that. Yeah, I don't remember anything about the, it. The sports yeah. comedy. There's not. There's not many these days. A lot of more serious movies. I mean, I guess you know, there's a there's one every once in a while. But like the late nineties, early two thousands was like, wasn't that the little Bow Wow movie as well? Right, he had a movie like Mike. Yep. It was like the, uh, what is it? The What's the baseball movie with the kid? Rookie in the... Rookie of the year. Yeah, Why do I know year, all right? this? Off the top right? of my he head. He breaks his arm. He breaks his arm and then he gets like a rocket for an arm. Yeah, then right? he throw heaters. It's also the Sandlot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like there's a lot of... I mean, Mighty like, Ducks. 90s. How could you... Mighty Ducks, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, 90s, early 2000s sports movies. Air Bud. <laughs> Air Bud. Yeah. It's a good time. It's a good time for film. Those. Loving basketball. Now, now what do all, we get? Now we know. get a now we get a depressed and alcoholic Ben Affleck. That's what we get. We get that yeah. movie. <laughs> and you're getting a remake <laughs> to uh White Men Can't Jump with uh what's that dude? Jack Harlow, the, the rapper. Thank thank God we needed that movie. Happy. <laughs> Happy we're getting a new White Men Can't Jump. Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Of course. But yeah, anyways, look, there's a lot of stuff going on in the news. Um there was a story that uh that I wanted to read that we won't read, but I'm just I'm put, I'm saying that early because I think it's a great story, but it is slightly uncomfortable. We won't say what it is, but uh, yeah, lots of interesting news for you to read through this week if you've not been paying attention. Let's be honest, I'm not mature enough to talk about that story. No, you're not, but that's okay. That's fine. Hey, that's at why. least you were that, able honestly, to recognize it before we did it and before 
the five people that listen to this got mad at me for having inappropriate discussions around a sensitive topic. Is that what happens? They get, oh, they get mad at you. Yes. For my, for my ignorance. Yes. Oh, and partly my own as well. Probably that's me deflecting. All right. Uh, you're you're a part of our collective in, in ignorance, right? So we just won't talk about it. There's a plenty of other stuff to talk about. Plenty of other news stories. Yeah, uh, exactly. Well, yeah, what's, found, going, what's going on with you? Ones. Oh yeah, man, what's going on with uh, you? It's springtime in New York. That's right. Birds that's are chirping. Right. Dogs are barking. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful day. That's right. The uh, the uh, the cherry blossom tree is officially over. It's done. We had our we had our own mini festival outside my window. It was great. Um, it's follow up from last week. And I actually won some hockey games after we spoke. So that's cool. Since we've spoken, I'm, I've played three more games, one, two of them lost last night, but it was only, it was a one goal game. It was well fought. We only had eight skaters. So I'm not mad, not bad about that loss. I'm mad about it. How are you going to be mad? Can you, you can't be mad about a one goal game. No, right. I mean, you could be, I mean, you can be mad, but it's, it's hard, especially it depends on how though. Like if you lose last minute to a soft goal, then you could be mad about that. There's like a power there. There's definitely like a parabolic chart to anger and like (laughs) loss and winning. Right. So let's just look at the losses. Right. One goal game. Not mad. Two goal game. Yeah, sure. A a close, a close (laughs) one goal game. Right. Blinding rage. Two goal game. A little bit more mad. Three goal game. Okay. Now I'm pretty upset. Four goal game. Now I'm like the most upset. Five goal game. I'm less upset about this. Six yeah. goal game. It's a curve. Whatever. Seven and higher. If I'm losing by seven or more goals, laughing. Laughing. At that point, what? If, I know they were. They probably weren't having fun. Yeah. And no I, one's having and fun. My, <laughs> and my new. The new goal of that game is not to win. It's just like to prove you can do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's and like it becomes that's a great when you workout and a challenge. Yes, yeah. it's like that's when you get to try new things. Mm-hmm. Exactly, like leaving early. Yeah, I'd, I'd say <laughs> it's my skills. Probably one goal game is tough. Like that's especially if you're like winning all game and then oh, like a goal goes in and then you're just like really like we had this game won. Like blowing a lead and losing by one is awful. But if you've been dominated and you try to catch back up, then that's much better, right? You're like, okay, look, we were down three zero. We came back, scored two goals. We didn't win, but I mean, spoiler alert, the last Ted Lasso episode was kind of like that, right? They got beat. They scored a goal, but it's like, hey, look, we're, we're doing pretty good. That was that was good. I think this is going to work. When they, yeah, they clicked. They started clicking. Yeah, you start clicking. But if you're winning 3-0 and then it starts to fall apart, that to me is the most frustrating of them all. Because you're like, we had this one. And how did we lose this 4-3 to when we were up 3-0 in the, in the beginning of the third period? Yeah. Yeah, I That's get it. That could be, uh, yeah. yeah, that could be tough. You're right. You're right. Circumstances, there is an asterisk to the curve, I yes. suppose. Yes. But yeah, that, but that's, that that's happened. Otherwise, yeah, it's been a busy week, busy week of work. Um, stuff's happening. I have some cool stuff to talk about in about two weeks, work-wise. So that's going to be fun. And in about, I don't know, two months, I'll have more fun stuff to talk about. It'll be, it'll hey, be good. funny enough. There's something that we didn't talk about, which maybe we can talk about quickly here. It's kind of in the media therapy. Maybe. Well, look, you tell me if you want to talk about it now or save it to media, media therapy. What's that? E3 being dead. Dead. D-E-D. It's dead. I'm, uh-huh. I'm curious of your thoughts, but is this a media therapy discussion? Should we move on to the news stories and make this podcast under five hours? <laughs> yeah, let's go to the news and we can talk about okay. that later because let's you don't do- have much to talk about. That's game talk. People might be bored. No. So we'll we'll save that for the end. It's interesting. 
but yeah, let's let's talk about it later. Um, all right. Alrighty. So you we'll save the uh, we'll 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 bundle the uh, the Tucker and Don stuff in the in the reddish, bluish, blackish, Jewish part. Yes. So I get, but I got two stories. All right. All right. That I just found that are that are golden headlines for this. So now I you got a choice. We're either going to talk about we we could either talk about a dad or we could talk about a bull. Where do you want to start? Ooh, let's start with mm, let's start with dad first, then the bull. Okay, great. That's the same order as my uh, as my tab, so it's good. Here we go. Reading from CBS News. Sperm donor father of at least 550 kids banned from donating any more sperm. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Now, this is not in America. You want to guess on which country this took place in? I is it know. in Europe? Yes. Okay. Is it in one of the Scandinavian countries? Like somewhere where there is attractive men, like attractive, stereotypical, tall, blonde-haired, yep. blue-eyed men that 550 oh, yeah. people would go, I want my child to look like Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess so, yeah. Uh-huh. All righty. Then, so I have to guess between Norway, Sweden, Switzerland. Switzerland's not one of those countries. Uh, Norway, Sweden, Iceland. I'm missing one. Finland. Finland. All right. So I'm going to go oh, with. Oh, okay. Got it. No, okay. Then it's yeah. not It's not one of those. Maybe I'm, I'm off the beaten path a little bit here. It's, um, okay. It's the Netherlands. I'll just tell you that. Okay, again, but that's that's close. Is that, that's in, close is that in the area? Enough. It's in that yeah, area. That's close enough. That's north. Okay, cool. I, I yeah. mean, it fits the descriptors that you it were does. saying by the, by this man. Very similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no picture of the guy, by the way. Um, here we go. A Dutch court on Friday banned a man from donating any more sperm after he fathered at least 550 children. I should have had you guess that. 550 children in How the many Netherlands. children? I would have guessed yeah. like 50 or 60. I would not have guessed 550. <laughs> yeah, no way. I don't think anybody would. And other countries and misled prospective parents about the number of offspring he helped to conceive. Ooh. A judge. Is this guy like the Nordic uh, Genghis Khan? <laughs> well, he's like that doctor, right? Like there's a Netflix documentary. About this doctor who was like mixing in his own sperm with other people's when they're trying to do uh, fertility oh, treatments. That's brutal. And so he was sort of like topping up with his own. Oh, and then no. all these people started realizing, like, wait a minute, where? And again, I, I'm making, I'm kind of making this up, but I think it was almost something like they went on 23andMe and they started like connecting the dots. Yeah. Like, they why are my kids looking, a bunch of? Why are my kids a bunch of nerds? Yeah, are they were looking? Are they were all looking for like you know like look kids? Regardless of what you think, kids do kind of want to know where they come from. So even if you're a sperm donor, like there was that Vince Vaughn movie, right? Wasn't there a movie with Vince Vaughn? Yeah, delivery he had like man. thirty kids again. Another thing I don't <laughs> need in my brain. I knew that I didn't even look that up. I knew off the top yeah. of my head that movie's called Delivery Man. <laughs> yeah, I just knew it was Vince Vaughn in it. But yeah, like again, like yeah. it would be that type of thing, right? Where like that's why you're not able to over. But yeah, th- this is what this reminds me of. But five hundred and fifty. Like, I think Vince Vaughn in that movie had, like, 30. You know what? I don't know that answer. 550? That is multiples of that. Yeah. Well, a judge at the Hague District Court ordered the halt in an inject- in an injunction brought by the parents of a child conceived with the donor sperm and a foundation representing other parents. The court noted that under Dutch guidelines, sperm donors are allowed to produce a maximum of 25 children with 12 mothers and that the okay. donor lied to pr- to prospective parents about his donation history. 
That's crazy. Even that number is insane. Yeah, 25 <laughs> is a lot. But I mean, I guess 25 by two. So if there's a woman who wants kids with, who are siblings, right? I guess that makes sense. Yeah. But that's still a lot. I would, I honestly would say like five should be your limit. Like five, like maybe 10 between five women would be my limit. Yeah. The donor identified as Jonathan M. Uh-oh. But I thought Under, it was uh, Jonathan. It's like, it's not me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. It wasn't me. <laughs> Under Dutch privacy guidelines, provided sperm to several Dutch fertility clinics and to a clinic in Denmark, as well as to as well as to many other people he connected with through advertisements and online forums. Uh, the court so he said was doing in this its pro bono judgment. as well. Oh my God! Hey, the donors yeah, side business. The donor's lawyer said in a court hearing that he wanted to help parents who would otherwise be unable to conceive. No, the that's judge someone with a with a complex. Yeah, th- that's someone who is caught. And is like, no, 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 no. I'm a philanthropist. <laughs> I'm providing I'm just, a I'm service. Just, I'm just trying to help these women. They want kids. I I have proven I have a history that this yeah, stuff very works. Fertile. This stuff works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I've got the secret formula. <laughs> I got a resume. I mean, the resume is like you know, speaks for eight itself. pages, but it's it's great. Uh, so let's see here. So that part, quote, all these parents are now confronted with the fact that the children in their family are part of a huge kinship network with hundreds of half siblings, which they did not choose. And quote, the court said, adding that this quote has or could possibly have negative psychosocial consequences for the children. It is therefore in their interest that this kinship network is not extended any further. End quote. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, that's probably the biggest risk. Yeah, is like when you have 550 people, it's not so much. I mean, the first few, sure, but you know, it's not a big country. But your odds of encountering one of your relatives is now insanely higher, especially one generation later. Sure, I mean, I like, the Netherlands is big enough. How many people are in the Netherlands? I don't know, man. There's, there's too many coincidences. At least, at least, oh no, 17 million. So it's not small. Okay. 17.53 million people in the Netherlands and 5 million in Denmark. So it's not big, but it's not small either. It's like the size of Tokyo. But if you would imagine, if they're all going to the same place, right? Well, if they're all in the same. If it's all coming I mean, from yeah, the same like right, general the odds are obviously vicinity. much higher than if there was two. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. uh, it's concerning. Anyway, the court said in a statement that the case was about conflicting fundamental rights, as a quote, on the one hand, the right to respect for privacy of the parents and the donor children, and on the other hand, the same right of the donor, end quote. The court ruled that, quote, the interests of the donor children and their parents outweigh the interest of the donor in continuing to donate sperm to new prospective parents, end quote. The court ordered him to immediately him immediately to halt all donations and said he must pay a hundred thousand euros per case if he breaches the ban yeah oh my god but his firms but his firms already out there right no they're going to destroy it i just found another article from the bbc that said they're going to destroy the current samples that are out there oh shit pro-life so he needs to provide a list all the clinics he had used and the and to order them to destroy his samples damn it's too many kids I mean, yeah, it's a problem. A lot of kids. Now, my question is, did he do this for the money or did he do this because he wanted, you know, the repopulate the earth himself? Oof. Might be both. Right. He t- yeah, like, he I'm sure he got Elon paid. Musk. Like over what over what period of time? That's what I want to know. Uh, 2007, what I have in this article. So he began donating in 2007. Holy shit. So 2007. 
All right, to through today, right? So that's 16 years. I'm trying to get like a, I, I want to have like how many kids a year? Yeah, so 550 divided by 16. Why am I doing this in Notepad? I'm a moron. It's not the first time I've done this either. I ever feel like you're losing it sometimes, like you're getting old and slower and dumber. Yeah, 34 kids a year. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of kids. And like you said, it's a little closer because, right, it's not so much the population. It's also people in the same age group and within the same age range that are going to obviously have a better chance of meeting with each other versus if there's kids who are 10 years old or 20 years older, right? So yeah. all these kids are between, you know, right now they're between 13 and are probably what between 17 and like 12 or no 17 and zero however many years yeah. it's been right? the, yeah 10, 16, born between 16, 16 the maximum years? they could yeah. be a 16 years old yes right so 16 max that's, to easy, that's easy math <laughs> yeah sorry i was trying to i was thinking backwards and sideways um uh-huh yeah so sorry it's a little sleep. i don't get yeah, i think the problem is the fact that he misled people yeah not how so much, much that, pay as yeah. well like what is the and also, you don't get paid for per success. You just get paid for the for the vial, right? I don't know. <laughs> so I don't uh, know how much. Let's you look make. this up in an incognito. How much money? I know, I'm going to just type this in, in in Reddit. So this guy on Reddit in New York. Do you want to guess how much he says? This is ten years ago. So ten, I'm a New York oh, City 10 professor. Ten years ago, I'm a New York City professional who makes extra money being a sperm donor. AMA. Oh man, I, I can't. I, I mean, it's a pretty I, easy job. I can tell job, you how right? much he says that he's made. Okay, I, it's a pretty easy job, right? You would imagine it's got to be like, well, like a hundred bucks a shot. Like, how so, much are they going to give you? Yeah, so you're, you're right on the money, hundred bucks. Okay. Um, are you this? Now, how many times? How many times can you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give myself away with a with a specific guess, or maybe I would. Hard to say yeah. what I would do in this situation if I was this guy. And so this guy, bucks, so, but how many, how often can you go? Can you go so like someone, daily and make yeah. like $3,000 a month? So I'm trying to read this to see if I can figure it out, right? To like see mm-hmm. those questions. But like one question was, how much do you get paid per, per donation? Also, do you have to take an IQ test, physical test, and whatnot to prove yourself worthy? And this person's answer is, I make 100 per donation, provided it's a strong enough sperm count. Sometimes mm-hmm. I only get partials, which gets me $55, but usually it's the full amount. I've never had to take an IQ test, although they only wanted people with four-year degrees or working towards one. There was an well, exhaustive partial, medical. If it's yeah. partial, then you just you know you you, you do it twice and then you fill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's how that works. You give, um, it a, give it a double shot that time. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> let me top it off for you. <laughs> this, is, this is why we couldn't talk about the other other story. Um, there was an exhaustive medical and genealogy <laughs> screening, as well as a personal interview, regu- regular physical checkups, and even more regular urine and blood blood tests. So at least in the states, it's very rigorous. So if you've got problems, they're not going to allow you to do this. Um, so yeah, I would assume it's at least a hundred bucks, which. And it's just per donation. So if this guy is going all around town, he's probably making thousands of dollars a year. Yeah. Yeah, if it's about that much. Yeah. Damn. I mean, you, you figure he had at least 550, right? So that's like... Yeah, at least, right? Yeah. So over 2000 that's like $55,000. Wow. Yeah. Well, so not bad for a side hustle, right? I mean, better than like making cookies and doing other stuff. Like it's just, uh, it's easier. Yeah, it's a little easier. Don't need measuring cups, you know. I guess they provide the equipment. 
Yeah. Just go in, go out, and then you go to a whole bunch of other places. Damn. Yeah, he, there's probably some money thing at play here. But God damn. There has to be, right? Um, and I think and in I guess as other far countries, as the, I think in New Zealand and in Canada, it's illegal to charge for donations, so you don't get paid. Yeah, and in the spirit of um, the, what was I going to say? The, um, you know, the carbon footprint thing. It's not quite the same because it's one guy per parent. So then, you know, you're not like really expanding the amount of people. It's one guy for all of these kids. It's not like there's, well, no, this feels like it's worse. One guy is producing this many people. Yeah, this is a big problem. Fuck this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, again, I'm reading, I'm just reading more comments and it's like, you know, the competition is extremely high because, you know, people's qualifications, if you're getting a donor, are often right they're looking for you know stereotypical often white you know white in shape intelligent over 62 right they want to know personality and any you know mental disorders in family so like you know can't be fat all that stuff right like they just they're just it's extremely rigorous so this guy probably fits this and he's like hey I'm able to make a bunch of money and the money's good so I'm going to keep doing it Um, and yeah, there's all sorts of great articles as you type this in. Like I found an article that said, man donates sperm without telling his wife. Now she feels betrayed after finding out. Um, so yeah, you know, you know how that conversation went once she found out he's like, yeah, but remember that bag I got you? Yeah. I became a sperm donor donor when I was in college. I mainly did it just to earn some spare change. And I thought I would be helping people who want children, but for whatever reason are struggling. I met my wife. In my last year, and we have been married for about six years, and I don't donate anymore. We have our own children, and everything is okay. But a couple years ago, we went through a rough patch, and I donated again. Oh, and I donated oh, again no. to earn some no. money. Oh, this is great. This is a Reddit thread yeah. as well. Um, what I'm talking about. Is this an am uh, I the asshole? Yes. Oh, um, God. We have our own children. Blah, blah, blah. I didn't really tell her because I didn't see it as a big deal, and it wasn't a lot. I got about 150 to tide us over for a week, and then we went about our business. I forgot about it. The other week, a conversation popped up with our friends who was having fertility issues, and I brought up that I used to be a donor, and my wife was more shocked than I expected her to be. She looked visibly shaken, but moved on quickly. When we got home, she brought it up again, and I explained the story and how I forgot about it over time, and I didn't see it as a big deal. And she got quite upset, saying, I might have potential children I don't know about. I don't have children I don't know about, because the only children I have are with her, but she's insisting this is some form of betrayal, almost. Uh, Maybe I should have told her. I definitely, I'm definitely feeling like a major asshole right now. Um, so what, what would your answer be to this? If, if you, yeah. So put yourself in the woman's shoes Mm -hmm. and you've got a husband and Mm -hmm. he tells you 20 years later, Hey, I was a sperm donor back in the day because I needed the extra money. How would you, how do you think is the appropriate way to respond to this? Is she right? Is she wrong? What are your thoughts? I mean, I guess the question is when, if it was when, if it we're saying this was before, except for that one time when he needed 150 bucks for the week. Yes. Okay. So you got to, you got to compartmentalize the two things, right? Right. Cause they're the, different. <laughs> yes. Oh, totally. The before thing. It's like, all right, no, not the asshole. That is, that's before you met. It's not a betrayal because how can you betray somebody that you don't know? Right. Right. That's just not, I mean, I guess there's, it doesn't, you know what I mean? There's no relationship there. So, hey, that's bygones be bygones. The, the one when you're with her, well, 
to me, that is more of a, a problem. <laughs> the problem to me is more that like you wouldn't open up to your to your wife and say, hey, look, I need a hundred. We need one hundred fifty bucks to get us over the week. Right. How do we like, do this? That's that's the problem. The problem yeah. isn't necessarily that you donated sperm to do it. But, you know, I think if you guys do at any point, like you hit that at that point in the relationship, you're just like, hey, by the way, just so you know. I might. But if you're in a. Because how the hell do you bring this up in conversation where it's like, hey, one day some kid might knock on our door? If, well, like, uh, you know, like if it's something that's like twenty years ago, right? You're like, you're in college, and and again, I understand this guy's not that old, but I'm just thinking of like, yeah, right? totally. If, like, how do you bring all that of a sudden up? there's yeah. a twenty year old, and he's like, hey, so I think you might be the person that's donated sperm, and I'm your biological child, yeah. and your wife is going to be like, wait, you didn't tell me this, yeah. Well, and when that's got to be come a up bigger, in conversation. Yeah, that's got. I mean, but again, though, how like, do you, disclo- how do you way, disclose though. that? All right, yeah, let's let's do this. Let me let me change the yeah. Change it's complicated. Yeah. Question: How do you disclose that? And at what point do you disclose that to a to a partner? But like, for example, right? I'm going to give you a, a twist, and I'll answer your question, right? Because I think All the right. twist is: Let's say you had a previous relationship and you weren't aware, right? Or you had a you had an evening, and 20 years later, someone reaches out to you and goes, hey, so I know you don't know me, but, and, you know, you haven't talked to my mother in 20 years, but, right? Like, would someone still be able to be upset about that? That's you're like, also- I genuinely didn't know. Like, I, it was just, you know, hey, we didn't know each other. I met you 10 years later, and I wasn't expecting this at all. I'm just as shocked as you are. So, like, how do you handle that? Like, do you tell your your well, that's different of all the potential you, children that you could have, but that's what this is, right? right? That's this true. is potential yeah. children. True. Yeah. And yeah, he doesn't fair. know. So to me, it's kind of the same. That's why I took so that story because I wanted to come back to this. I, I'd say it's pretty gray. I think I think look, the fact that this guy, like the fact that he went back to, to old habits <laughs> when he was married and already has kids, that's what my groceries. Kind of, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you think you think it was one of those things where like, all right, sir, that's gonna be a hundred dollars. He's like, oh, oh no. Hang on, give me a minute. I'll be right back. I got to get some cash from the ATM. Goes yeah. to the sperm donor, gets the thing, gets 150 bucks, and then turns around and be like, there we go. All set. Yeah, because I would just argue there's other ways you can donate plasma. There's all sorts of other things, right? Donate, like, there's just other ways to make money that aren't this. And I would argue if you do that, that's a discussion with your wife. Now, if all this happened before you met your wife, that's a little different. And I would, because again, you can genuinely just be like, look, I just forgot about this. Honestly, it's not something I thought was important. I did it when I was 18 and now I'm 38 and I just didn't expect this. I would assume though, like donation, you kind of should tell because like that's pretty actively, like you have to do enough work to be a donator to actually go like, well, I should remember this. But I don't, yeah, it's a tough one versus like, you know, hey, I had a, you know, I had a a one night stand with someone and, you know, out, you know, I didn't realize, you know, whatever I was traveling and then I, you know, whatever I was in a hostel and something happened and then I went on about my life and didn't think about it again. That's different versus I actively donated sperm knowing that this could happen. And I believe if they actually don't they tell you, I would assume that they would like send you a letter that's like, hey, congratulations, your sperm was used for the making of a child. Right. Congratulations. You you have a child. What? Why? No way. There's no way. I I think there's a confidentiality. No, I don't think so. Hang on a second. Let's see. Do I feel like I want to at least be aware? Like, I don't need to know who it is, but it would be good to know if you've got people floating around out there. Like, I feel like that's an important thing for you to be like, okay, that's a 
all right, it was used and I now understand because then that allows for you to have that discussion with other people going, look, this is out there. I don't know who it is. I just know the clinic. And and now they tell me, you know, if in 20 years someone reaches out to you, here's the things that you can do, right? Like I would assume there would be a little bit of okay, here's- mental training for if it's used. Because if it's not used, who cares, right? It just gets destroyed. Oh, this is fun. Insider.com has a, an article that says uh, 16... Where the fuck is this? Come on. 16 myths about sperm donation. You should stop believing. Okay. This this stock photo they have is perfect. And it's also like kind of creepy too. It's like, seems like it was taken from a certain set of a, some sort of category of movie. If you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it looks, uh, yeah, it's totally the stock photo. Uh huh. Um, okay, here we go. Weird. So <laughs> myth, anybody can donate sperm. Are these? Oh, okay. Um, Images from Mad Men. I don't get it. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, wait a minute. That's that guy looks familiar. Okay. Less than 1% of applicants eventually qualify to become donors. I'm not going to read any further than that. Myth. Sperm from tall, attractive men is the most desirable. Look at that. Okay. Myth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Myth. The process is completely anonymous. Yeah, I figured yeah. it wouldn't be. Okay. Myth. Donating sperm is easy. Apparently it's not. So my whole... You're short some cash. You need to get some. You need to pay for yeah, that grocery bill. Myth: The donation process won't impact your normal sex life. I guess okay. it will. Okay. Myth: You can just go in once for a quick buck. See, oh, that's, you can't do that. Mm, yeah, it's not a one-time thing. Where you can walk in, make a donation, get a check, and walk out the door. Donors are compensated for the time, so they're expected to come in a couple times a week to make donations. Generally, for hey, at least a consistent. year. Wow. Myth, like you said, once they you got to build the, they got to build the batch. Yeah, you got to build the volume. Yep. Once you once you donate once, you don't you qualify as a donor forever. That's not true. Apparently, here we go. You won't ever myth. You won't ever know if your sample is used. So here we go. Mm-hmm. General generally, clinics won't routinely tell you if one of your sperm samples has been used and results in pregnancy. But upon request, they may. However, they cannot give you contact information for families who have used your sample or children that may have been born from it. Yeah. So I feel like this guy, if that's the case, you'd be like, hey, I just want to make sure that I've not already had something used before, because I think that's a little different. But obviously, this guy went through the effort, which is the part that is the problem, I think, of like you knowingly, you didn't just walk in for, for a quick couple of bucks. Right. And so that's the problem. Yeah, that's, that's true. If you can't, that's do where it. he's fake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's lying. Guy's yeah. lying. So he's lying. So he's probably right. done this a lot, and he's just like, "Oh, well, this one time." It's like, no, it's not just this one time. I need one hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. Well, apparently not yeah. because you don't you just do have... this of like, "Oh, I just need a little extra." Like it's a process. It seems like, and it seems like it's pretty rigorous because it should be. Because otherwise, I mean, come on now. If this was easy. We'd have a real, like, it'd be, it, you know, we'd be J.P. Morgan Chase of banks for this, like, global domination. Like, it would just be too easy. Yeah. Just getting paid all the time. Yeah, yeah it's too much. Further too much. You know what? I mean, if you want to know why the patriarchy is the way it is, I mean, just make just make this a regular cash income. It's like a, what is it? Universal basic income is basically just this. Yeah, I mean, well, for half the, half of society. Yeah, which is the problem. Okay, fair enough. All right. Got this other story here. This one's quick. And it hits it's gonna be close to home. And by home I mean Detroit. Okay. Home home. 
It's kind of a sad story, but it's also kind of a wild story. Here we go. 600-pound bull killed after seven-hour police chase across Michigan Island. A large runaway bull had to be euthanized after it went on a dangerous tour of a Detroit of a metro Detroit neighborhood. Okay. According to the oh shit. What is this? Gross Gross Isle? Gross Isle Police. Gross Department? Isle, yep. That's probably around Gross Point. Or Gross Point Park, Gross Point Hill, some of those areas, I'm assuming. The GIPD, which is can mean many things. The bull, estimated to be between five hundred and six hundred pounds, was spotted running near Lowry Drive and Ferry Road at 12.42 p.m. on Monday. Six police officers, two animal control officers, a veterinarian, several firefighters, residents, and the bull's owner attempted to wrangle the animal for seven hours before the decision was made to put the bull down. Wow. it's a yeah. long time. Attempts to use fencing, a portable round pen, and ropes, a portable round, oh, and ropes were unsuccessful, police said. An animal control officer was injured in the process. The bull was demonstrating unpredictable behavior, according to police. It's a bull. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) what does predictable look like? I don't know. We tried waving the red flag and it didn't charge towards us. This thing is out of its mind. (laughs) The situation was further complicated by the presence of children, motorists, and domesticated animals in the area. The bull was spotted running through yards on patios and across roadways, drawing more and more people to the area and increasing the risk of harm to the public and and reducing the ability of first responders to control the animal, police said. Eventually, the owner gave permission to euthanize the bull. Once it was in a safe area, an officer put the animal down, police said. The Gross Isle Police Department is investigating along with the Michigan Department of Agriculture. I'm annoyed. So this article from... uh, MLive.com does not have mm-hmm. any pictures of this of, uh, of this bull, and I'm kind of upset about it. So I'm going to dig around yeah, and see if, if you I can find, find a uh, yeah, find an yeah. image. Because yeah, I'm reading this report or this report of you know why didn't why didn't they tranquilize it? Um, and just going like, look, this is a quick quick action that needed to be made. So yeah, I'm sure that's not that's never pleasant. And it, obviously, it took them seven hours at first try to just rope him, and the bulls like yeah. I cannot be contained, so they shot him instead. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a sad day for the bull. The bull was just being a bull. Yeah, what did it escape from? How did it? Or what is it? It's a, it's a large runaway bull, but they don't say where it actually came from. Yeah, it's it from had to come the... from a farm or something somewhere, right? Bulls just aren't just hanging out doing nothing, waiting to escape. Here we go, runaway bull on Gross Isle. Deserved to have a chance, residents say. Did have a chance, didn't get away. Failed. Had seven hours. <laughs> God damn. Had seven hours of a chance and uh didn't hurt anybody. At what point? No, at what but point I mean, is, it was, at it what was point erratic. is the bull really a menace? Right? When it gores someone. <laughs> it, right? it didn't. Yeah, didn't gore so. somebody. I mean, but does Detroit have a bull problem? Is this the start? Is this the beginning? Maybe. No, maybe again no. I, don't, I don't think so but you know this is the first time this happens so if it starts first it starts one you know that's all it takes for one bull to go oh, this is possible or to go yeah. avenge the, the death of this bull to avenge the death of the others so it doesn't have oh, a bull shit. problem now but it might have just made one it's like <laughs> that woman been... who's the rat czar in uh, New York that woman who's like I've, I'm getting what? paid 150 grand a year you didn't even heard about that the rat czar no Go look no. that story up. Let's finish the bull story. Oh, that's a yes. good one. 
No, that's yes. the end of the bull story. That's it. All right. Well, then let's go talk about the yes, rap star. I, I want you did, to explain this to me. I did hear about this woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So this because this is the woman that uh, Eric Adams yes showed up and he's like, rat czar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I I, <laughs> I gotta find this quote because she said some crazy shit, right? As you and would expect like, from the rat like, czar, right? <laughs> she's like because she said something that was like they haven't met me yet or something like that. So crazy. Do you thing, want right? your rats? To be, you want your rat czar to be like, oh, you know, I'll give it a good shot. You want them to come out, going, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm kicking rat booty and taking names. That's what you want. Yeah, but that I've got to find this quote because I do remember seeing this thing, this this line <laughs> that five she said. Step, was, this is hilarious. It's a five step playbook to get rid of the city rats. It all starts with the tried and true, know thy enemy. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. This here. is a whole. Yes, this is amazing. Why is there no quote? It's like all these quotes about Mayor Adams, and I just want to see. Oh, here we go. Rat mitigation is more than quality of life issue for New York. Rats are a symptomatic system issue, including sanitation, health. Da, 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 da. New York made famous pizza rat, but rats and the condition that helped them thrive will no longer be tolerated. No more dirty curves, unmanaged spaces, or brazen burrowing. I'm honored to lead work. Grateful, grateful to Mayor Adams for this opportunity. I look forward to sending the rats packing. I thought she had some crazy ass quote. That was, <laughs> I mean, just I the video of her doing this press conference. If you've not seen that, go look that up because it is crazy. I'm sure there's a quote out of there, but it's like I watched that and go, "That's exactly who I want to be in charge of killing rats." It's her. She's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> You don't yeah. want your rat czar to be some sane woman like I've got a plan. You want her to talk about, you know, she is she is here to she is here to eradicate and you know this is this is what she's here for and you know I I vow to make massive changes and all these things. Um Hang on, I got it, it, I think it was in the New York City Reddit. I'm gonna find this there. I don't know. Keep talking about this rat lady. And uh and so, yeah, I mean maybe I can read a quick New York Times article while apparently New York Times hasn't hasn't blocked me out of this. Um, of being like, hey, you don't have enough paywall. Uh, New Yorkers have encountered rodents in toilets, trains, and bed, and that's not all. So New York City has a new rat czar, which I'll click on. So yeah, she has one. Oh, now they want to charge me. Way to go, New York Times. Oh, oh, that was going to be it. That was the article. Let me see. Someone, her name is Kathleen this Karate is her name. Someone having yeah. this. Uh, someone read This is a pretty good comment. Someone's just like, just reading the title. Is she a cat? Because that makes sense. <laughs> So yeah, so so karate is tasked with battling the potentially millions of rats lurking in a myriad urban nooks and crannies, subway tunnels, and empty lots. Hers is a new job, which the city advertised with a help-wanted ad seeking applicants who are bloodthirsty, possess killer instincts, and could commit to the wholesale slaughter of rats. That was in the help-wanted ad. When I first saw the job posting, I wasn't sure if it was real. Bloodthirsty is not a word you usually see in a job description, and yeah. it's certainly not the word I usually use to describe myself, karate said in the news conference. You'll be seeing a lot of me and a lot less rats, she vowed. Um, yes, that was that was the line. That was that's the line. The line? Like You'll be seeing a lot. lot of me and a lot less rats. Yeah, exactly. That sounds like a threat. But the uh, the actual description. So the description is still on uh, citylimits.org. But there is this quote that they took from uh, from Reddit here. Do you have what it takes to do the impossible? A Virulent, virulent vehemence for vermin. 
a background okay, in yep. urban planning, project project management and go- or government, and most importantly, the drive, determination, and killer instinct needed to fight the real enemy, New York City's relentless rat population. This is a 24-7 job requiring stamina and stagecraft. What? Wow. The ideal candidate is highly motivated and somewhat bloodthirsty, determined to look at all solutions from various angles, including improving operation efficiency, data collection, technology, innovation, trash management, and wholesale slaughter. (laughs) Holy shit. I'm half expecting for her to like be in the subway dressed as Rambo, just like mowing down rats. But that even yeah. that's not enough. I don't think this is a winnable job. I mean, what I they, don't think you can actually get rid of rats in New York. I think there's too many. I think when people look at smaller things and they're like, yeah, they're more afraid of us than we are of them. I don't think that applies to rats. No, not in New York. It doesn't. Rats are savages, man. They they'll in, do yeah. whatever the hell they need to do to survive. And in New York, they're bold. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be? They're out there. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They're well fed, you know? A yeah, lot of trash, a lot of trash to rats eat. That's a big, and that's the problem, right? New York has a trash problem. And quite mm. frankly, right, I remember when we were like, oh, Tokyo doesn't have any rats. And then we were out in, Shin, in Shinjuku, and we saw all the rats. And we're like, mm. yeah, for a city that's as clean and has a great trash management as Japan does, there were plenty of rats walking around Japan at night that I saw. So yeah. I, I just think it's you get enough people, you can't get rid of the trash enough fast enough. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And you you personally have a you, you have issue with rats. You have a yes. low tolerance because you wouldn't play a plague tale because of all those rats. Yeah, look, and I'll there. tell you what, right? What what uh-huh. gets me, right? Like my fear, right? Like some people are afraid of spiders, not afraid of spiders. People are afraid of snakes, mm-hmm. not afraid of snakes, not afraid of okay. lizards, not afraid of it's it's the fact that they're mammals that gets me. You don't like hairy, hairy because, stuff. Because you look at their little eyes and their little hair. And their little fingers, and that's a mammal. And it's got the same organs that you do. Versus mm-hmm. a lizard, you can be like, yeah, it's a lizard. Look at this cold-blooded thing that can't move when it's freezing outside. Or look at this slug that doesn't have any eyes, or if it has eyes, I can't see them, and it's just squishy. Right? Those things look foreign. Rats and mammals are very hard to get rid of when it's like, mm, that thing is kind of kind of like me. It's got enough similarities to me as a hairy, you know, bleeding thing. And so yeah, I don't like rats. It's the one thing so what, I can't I can't deal with too much. Hmm. But what about the uh, the opossum problem in uh, out there? The possum going around like these again. I wouldn't want to kill again. I I don't know if I told this story. And funny enough, I I I've not been hunting in a long time. But the last time that we went hunting, we were up there with some uh, Department of Conservation people, like in one of the huts in New Zealand. If you ever been to New Zealand, yep. you you trek up hills and you stay in huts. And the guy was outside using the bathroom, and he saw a possum. Right. Uh-huh. So he sees this possum, and he Yo. basically grabs it by the tail, and he's like, starts screaming, "I got a possum!" And this this woman who was maybe five one, like a hundred and ten pounds, got super excited, and grabs in her bag and goes, "I'll get my hammer." <laughs> I do remember you telling me this. She grabs the hammer and runs outside of me and my friend who's German are sitting here going like, what is happening? And then all we hear outside, right, a few minutes later, right, because you just hear like, you hear rustling, right? Like, it's not much. Like, this guy obviously has handled a a possum before. Like, he's a department of conservation and they try to kill these things because they eat eggs and they kill native kiwis. And all you hear is, 
Oh, no. Oh. It was two hits. Hate it. Two hits, and then silence. And then she comes back in, and then, like, just wipes the blood off the hammer with, like, a rag. Jeez. And then he comes back with a bag of fur. Because possums here are normally mixed in with the merino wool. So, like, if you know anything about New Zealand, there's a bunch of sheep here. Mm-hmm. And they mix in with the possum fur because the possum fur is super warm. Oh. Like, it, it makes for a great coat or a great sweater. Oh, good to know. And this guy's like, oh, yeah, you know how much money you get for this fur? It's like for so many kilograms, you get like hundreds of bucks for the fur. So he just has this little bag of possum fur that he keeps and he sells it. Mm, not worth it. And yeah. It was a lot. And so we went out the next day, and uh, I think I think they did us a service by kind of trying to toss the possum aside, but we saw where the uh, where the murder happened. We saw oh, the uh, saw the splatter. And yeah, we continued our day. But yeah, that's what happens here. The possums, and these are not opossums. These are possums. If you look up a possum, P-O-S-S-U-M, and type Australia, you'll get an idea of what they look like. They're actually quite cute. Uh, but and apparently young kids, when you're like 14, 15, oh, yeah, live right. out in the middle of nowhere. You uh, get a spotlight. You can spotlight them. So spotlighting, deer do this as well, right? There's certain creatures that if you shine a light in their face, they freeze. Um, And these creatures do the same thing. So if you shine a light in a a tree, they just freeze and stare at you because they're like whatever. Their system shuts down because there's a bright light and they don't know how to process it. And so you can just spotlight them, just shoot them out the tree, pluck the fur, and that's how you make some summer money. Okay. Good to know. Or, Or make a coat. Or make a coat. Either way. Good to know. All right. Well, well, there you go. So, yeah, the rat czar. I didn't mean to get off of the bull story, but. No, that's fine. I, that I was, forgot again, about that was, the rat czar. That's all right. This is a good, good, uh, good segue. The, Speaking of rats. Look, man, I don't. I, is she going to win? I don't know. We've never had this position before. Maybe that's what we needed. We needed a bloodthirsty rat czar. Yeah. So let's see. Let's see what she's got. To lead the front. That's the thing, man. You never, you can't underestimate uh, a good general in a war. Yeah, I'll be and watching is, her and story close. And, maybe and she this can do is it. a war. If she can do it, they will build. You will build a statue in her honor in New York, mm-hmm. right? You have to. Yeah, made out of it's rats. Like winning the ultimate <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> but they, it's like you know, they build uh, you know, like Lego figures. It'll just be like her, but made out of rat, rat. Like every the, if you look close enough, it'll oh. look like a bunch of rats. Oh. Isn't yeah, there that myth tale. about the Plague rat tale. king there's in great. New York who like lives in the subway? I don't know. There's there's mole people down there. Yeah, well that's I think the rat king is one of the the myths as well. Of like there's like this like, you know, like basically human sized rat king. Rat king is also a hip hop group in New York. It's a hip hop group from New York. Never knew about that. Uh yeah. yeah, I don't know about that. But the mole people, that's uh that's a fun one. I believe the mole people won. Uh, so the rat king is an organism made up of rats whose tails have become entangled. So rat kings are psychic in control of the rats. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So there's, um, yeah, and the mole people. Do you know about the mole people? Uh, no, but I want to look this up. Yeah, mole people are uh, the ones who've taken residence in the underground of New York City. During the 1980s, there were sort of homeless people living in, in the underground. Are homeless people living in under who are living under large cities in abandoned subway, railroad, flood, sewage tunnels? So That's these right. are real people. Yep, old people. Mm-hmm. It's true. Okay. You know, I learned about that. Apparently, them. the the Las Vegas mole people are real. Makes sense, right? Do the, now the question is, do they identify as mole people? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should ask them. 
They're just living the lifestyle. All right. You know, anyway, look, let's talk about this stuff. All right. Speaking of mole people. Speaking of mole people, let's talk about let's talk about Tucker Carlson. (laughs) The mole person. Um, all right, you want to talk about this. Tucker out, Don Lemon out. Different reasons, but they tried to sort of loop them all together on the day that I saw the news. Well, it happened on the same day. Yes. So that's why. But it, the difference is, here's the difference between those two. Before we, before I get to your opinion, I just need to illustrate this point as clearly as possible. These two could not be any more different <laughs> as far as, to their media company then it, there's the the it, the difference is astounding i mean just different in people as well like if you just look at that. the two of them forget yeah. that here's here's the difference uh tucker carlson matters to fox news don lemon does not matter to cnn yeah that's unfortunately unfortunately right? don had his show at yes. 10 to 12 then he got moved to a morning show where he was now 33% of the cast yes Tucker Carlson had the highest rating, had the highest rated TV show at eight o'clock every night. That's the difference. Yes. So go ahead. What was your, uh, what was so your a few things reaction to I this? wanted to bring up here, right? There's a few things where obviously this Dominion lawsuit that was settled had something to do with this. Something, not everything, but something to oh, do with Tucker. This. Definitely. Yes, for Tucker, right? Because, mm-hmm. right, basically Fox News gets sued for lying about voting and, you know, the, the rigging of the election, and Dominion has all the evidence in the world to prove this. And so Fox News is required to settle for, was it like 700 and something million dollars? It's like 750 yeah, million. Yeah, so they were being sued for insane. like, they were being sued for like 1.6 billion, and they yeah. ended up paying like 780 million in a settlement, which is. Right. This is huge. It's not a, in, it's not a non it's a it's a amount of money that matters enough. <laughs> oh, I don't even think Dominion makes that in like years. Like no. Dominion annual revenue. Oh, go ahead. So so the fact that Fox News felt the need to settle this meant that <laughs> they were going to lose their this revenue in 2022 was 17.5 million. <laughs> yeah, so they so Fox News has basically funded Dominion for the for next the, forever. for the next seven eight years, right? Forever and seven, giving it free years. publicity. Seven eight and, years. Yeah, sorry, seventeen point right. five. Yes. Sorry, I yeah, it's, it's a lot lot more than that. Forever. Yeah, it's like as long as America's a country. <laughs> yes, which might not be much longer. Dominion no. will be fine. They only so have a hundred employees. They could divvy that up and give every employee $7 million. So that's pretty remarkable for the fact of, like, obviously Fox knew they were going to lose this $1.6 billion. If you have your lawyer says, look, you got to settle this. This isn't, this isn't winnable for a company that has the money to be able to fight this litigiously, right? Like, they could have fought this in court. And they tried to, and it's very clear they had evidence. And a lot of that evidence has to do with Tucker Carlson himself of one admitting that they were telling lies on the news and the way that he referred to his female colleagues and employees and all of that stuff, right? Like Tucker Carlson was not a good person. And you can tell that just by listening to him. And Tucker Carlson doesn't really believe anything, right? He's a showman. He gets up Mm -hmm. there. He says what needs to be said. So that way more people watch him and that's it. So I don't necessarily want to talk about why he was fired, even though we just did. I don't want to dive into that. I don't care about that. What I care about is what's happening next. So there's a couple sure. of paths here, right? Tucker Carlson got on Twitter, I think, right? Yes. And like 
basically came out and said, like, everyone's been lying to you. I, You know me. I tell you the truth. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it either, but I just saw it. And two things popped into mind for me. One, he's going to run for president. And I think if he runs for president, he's got a great chance of winning. Hmm. He's got a better chance than Donald Trump does. If he wins the nomination. I think he can win. Why do you think, with the way the Republican Party is now, where their most charismatic leader in Donald Trump has kind of become unelectable? I say that knowing that that's just not true and they will totally reelect him. But he's the most powerful person in the party. Other than Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell's not running for president. But what, Ron DeSantis? That's not going to work. Putting fingers? Putting fingers, Ron DeSantis? Tucker Carlson has already come out and said, like, yeah, I don't like Trump. And this was, you know, we can make this party stronger. He had the most, you just said it, the most watched television program at 8 p.m. every night. He reaches a massive audience. You're telling me that he can't win the Republican nomination? I think he can win the Republican nomination in sleep. Who's going to beat him? Trump. You think Trump could beat him? I don't I don't see that at all. Yeah. Why? Um Well, look at what Trump's doing to Ron DeSantis. That's a pretty good start. But Ron DeSantis isn't charismatic. Ron DeSantis is boring. Right. Ron DeSantis he, doesn't have free time right now. <laughs> Tucker Carlson does. Kinda, Ron DeSantis is doing like all the stuff that He's trying to fight Disney, he's, right? He's Isn't leaning, that what he's doing? Right, exactly. He's leaning into the culture war. That is the same stuff that that's what Ron DeSantis was doing. He kind of took the whole culture war literally. Like no one's What's, engaged in a bigger culture war than him. And Tucker Carlson kind of did the same exact thing. So all Trump has to do is just like start attacking the shit out of them. And none of these guys really attack each other. I don't know if Tucker Carlson would do that. And Tucker Carlson's kind of a I mean they're all douchebags, right? Like that's kind of what it ends up being. They're all showmans, but Tucker kind of, I don't know. I, on a stage like that, he appeals to, let's see the people that watch his show. I think it was what, like 3 million people at night. If he has an audience of that many people, that's not enough to win an election. No, but I think his audience and you know, the way people consume television now is clips and things as well. That I'm sure if you look at that, he had a lot of people who were watching him. Oh, that's I mean, look, true. Fox, yeah. when they fired him, the next night was the lowest ratings Fox News has had in like 30 years at that time slot. Well, here's the like other thing. Tanked. I, I also tanked. think that he's, he as like someone who's more of like a profiteer and will obviously throw away all morals for the purpose yes. of making a quick buck, it's easier to make money as on the grift than it is to be that guy out front. And it's also way less work. You know, you'll never, it's a lot harder to be called a fraud at that point because it doesn't matter. When yeah, you're but actually if on the political stage, your, yeah. your popularity drops. But if you have an ego to that level, why would you not want that ultimate power seeing what it did to Donald Trump or see what it did for Donald Trump? Why, why would you not want, like, why would someone like Tucker Carlson not want to do that? Yes, it's easier. And yes, he can keep doing what he's doing. Tucker Carlson worked for CNN at some point, didn't he? Like, he's worked for yeah, everybody. He was, he was on Crossfire. Of, but, 
but like, but like what else does he have like what is he gonna do go to newsmax or go start or, you know go join chris cuomo like, what's he gonna do him. no i think what he'll probably do is be like another joe rogan really but like why would he want to do that like why like what's the benefit why? because trying... there's a shit ton of money but again if he's trying to profit off the grift like what starts your own podcast where you'll get even less eyes on it than Fox News than any other thing that your constituents are still going to watch? Here's Why would you, you not just get... reach for the biggest stage and use that to profit off of, like you said, the culture war? He's Bane, right? Everyone else is just trying to adopt the culture war. He created it. He was molded, but it's him. He's the one that drove a lot of this stuff over the last four years. It is him. Long, longer right. than that, the last eight years. But that's mostly yeah. been him, has it not? They, my logic is like this. The way these media organizations work right now is there's a lot of people and you don't need that many people no. to do what he does. You can, no, you, don't. you can you make it create, like you can Bill O'Reilly create, you could argue was, was Tucker Carlson before Tucker Carlson, right? You could argue that you can get on YouTube. You could get on, you could create a podcast. You can, I mean, there's, there's places like rumble. Like Rumble is paying out people a shit ton of, of cash to that. Exactly. There are there are places where the audiences where their audiences are that are not necessarily in the mainstream, but have an insane amount of people. I mean, this tweet that he posted got more views than anything else on Twitter. Like even Elon Musk responded and just wrote wow because of the numbers. Like That'll tell you, like, oh my god, he's probably got to adjust the algorithm so this guy doesn't get as many views as he does. But by the way, anytime I see an Elon Musk appear uh, tweet on my timeline, I'm just like, show me less of Elon Musk tweets. I, then he disappears I for a few a days. And then he I feel me. like I feel like I should get credit for this for telling you Elon Musk is a fraud. I told you that a decade ago. Yeah, sure, I'll give you some credit for that. So right? I was telling you he's a fraud. You're like, no, he's not. He's been taking us to space, and I'm just like, no, he's not. He's just a rich guy. He's a rich guy that 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 just buys crap and takes credit for it. And now you find out his true colors of what he is. I mean, he's a, he's the son of, he's the product of apartheid. Fair enough. But the thing with Tucker, what I'm saying is that there's opportunity and it, I think it's the, the magnitude. So yes, here's what I'm saying. You don't necessarily, let's say his audience is cut in half, mm-hmm. right? All that profit goes to him. It doesn't sure. go through the funnel of Fox News. He makes more money with half the audience because it's just him. Let's say he hires a group of like, you don't need that many people. If you're the star, you produce a show. But I think that's more You work. do it out of wherever. You just wherever. said it's less work. I think it's way more work no, than I didn't just say, showing No, I never said I didn't say it was less. Did I say well, it was you less said it was work? easier, sorry. You said it was easier than running for I didn't president. say it was easy. I didn't say it was. Oh, it's easy. Yes, it is easier than running yeah, for Yeah, but that's president. my point. I don't know if it is. I don't know if it is easier than running for oh, president. Oh, for sure it is. You need a staff when you run for president. You need all this other shit. You need a staff you need if you're going to produce you your own content. Yeah, but you focus it just around you. You don't have to travel. You don't have to manage donations. You don't do any of this shit. There's a whole, there's legal red tape and all that shit that have to go along with Maybe. running a campaign. Trump didn't the seem to have stuff- to follow the legal red tape, did he? <laughs> like, that's my point, right? Like, I don't think the but rules he, but Trump, matter. But Trump, well, he was a, well, you know, arguably the thing that brought him to fame was The Apprentice. He still had people around him who ran businesses and that kind of stuff, but to whatever degree of success you can, you know, we could debate that, but obviously that most of them were failures, but I'm just saying like the guy always had people around his orbit to do that shit for him. And this guy probably does as well, but does he want it? And is it worth it? I'd argue, no, it's not. 
I don't know. Again, would you be surprised if he announced his candidacy for president? Yes. President? It would be, be like okay. it would be like John be Stewart running for president. Would you be surprised if he ran for president? Yeah, because because liberals are a little different. Why? Like raging liberals are a different beast. Raging. Wow. Well, I mean, he's a little bit. He's he gets on the soapbox, and again, even though if you even if you agree with him, he is a little bit of a raging liberal. Like I think that's actually a fair, accurate. I've seen him have more art, you know, more you know, interviews and stuff with people really kind of like raging at the idea of you're wrong and you're a liar. I'm going to call you a liar in, in front of everyone. Sure. So yeah, I'd say that's a raging liberal. Yeah, why not? That's right, fair, fair enough. enough. Okay. And I don't mean it in a bad way because I tend to agree with a lot of the things that he says. Yeah. But he does it in a way that's trying to pound the table and tell you, you don't, you need to understand. You can't lie to people. I'm going to hold you accountable. I, I think those people find more. They don't see the, you know, the presidency is a little bit of your hands get tied. But they've the Republican Party has specifically turned the presidency into a reality show. Trump has proven the model to be the Republican president. You actually don't really have to know anything. You just have to be a great showman. And I'd argue that the Democrats still take themselves too seriously, and that's why they don't have a great showman as president, right? Their their answer to the great showman was Joe Biden. Yeah, I think right? that the, 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 who who's the great showman? It is John Stewart. But again, I don't like he is more concerned about doing things that even the Democrats don't do. It's a different thing. Like AOC is the best example you have, and she's not going to run for president. I don't see that happening within the next decade. So the other thing about, let's see, where I want to go with this, the Tucker Carlson thing, he, I think with the, with these lawsuits and with what's out there, I think the, I also think that Trump would destroy him because of the fact that basically behind the scenes, now it's out there that Tucker Carlson hates Trump. Yes. And what's the last thing? And Trump, it's like you, he could be your best friend. The moment you cross him, it's over. Yeah. It's over. I, I just wonder if whether or not he is actually, again, he was the mouthpiece for this Republican movement. Yes. People, no, again, I think he Trump, was one in many. Yeah. He was one of many. So who are some of the, and again, I, just because I've not followed this, like, you know, I'm sure Fox News sees him as replaceable. Because you can build another Tucker Carlson. You can. You can just build them. You just need someone to get out there and rally a base in a way that gets eyeballs on on television, right? But, like, I, I to me, I think he is the one who's most equipped in order to sort of play the grift to its max. The other question I wanted to ask, not to just spend time on Tucker Carlson, is that, on the other hand, do you think that Tucker Carlson sees enough of a benefit to actually build this media company that's almost like a sports argument show? with someone like Don Lemon, because they are so wildly opposite. It would make me and you happy to watch this ridiculous show. It would be the yeah, most bring, watched thing on crossfire. television. Crossfire yes. would be back. It would be back to the roots. But it, but it, it would be back to a level that's like, like with social media level, not Crossfire from 2000s level, right? It would be a totally different thing. So I, I just wonder, like, what is Don Lemon going to do? Like, what do you think Don Lemon's going to do? Because the reason Don Lemon got fired, really... Is because you know he had the incident I think on this morning show where he had said something about like something derogatory yeah, Nikki towards Haley. women. Nikki yeah. Haley. Yeah, and the women on the show were like, "What are you talking about, Don?" And then Don's like, "Oh, well, it's not me. I'm just pointing it out." And then they're like, "Yeah, you need to take a seat, Don." And then at some point they're like, "Look, we don't. 
you know, there's some, you know, there's some rumors of whether or not they like saw the Tucker Carlson news and were like, okay, it's time to fire Don now too. <laughs> but I, I just, I just think it was just an unfortunate coincidence. And that Dom's time was just, he was on borrowed time anyways at CNN um, because they were just changing. Like you said, that whole evening lineup was just getting shifted after Chris Cuomo stuff. What do you think Don Lemon does next? Um, man, I don't know. Um, I, I, he'll probably go to someone like, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to someone like a news nation, you know, that, which is becoming this kind of Island of misfit toys. You know, like you look at um, you look at News Nation and I don't dislike any of those people on there, but their top talent are all of these people who basically had some history. Right. So News Nation. Uh, I don't even know what the, News Nation is. You said that. And that's I what type it that's in. what Cuomo's on. Oh, I didn't even know that. So News Nation. What, what's the word I'm looking for here? Anchors. So I just want to find meet the team. Here we go. Dan <laughs> Abrams. Uh, Ashley Banfield, a former okay, yeah. CNN person. Chris Cuomo, obviously, we know that. Um, there's a guy here. No, yeah, it's Dan here. Abrams. He was he was the Nightline guy, right? Was it yeah. Nightline? Okay, yeah, I don't know, something yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, there's like a bunch of these people where it's yeah, like, it all is. Right, you're right. Cool. This totally is like the the collection of misfit toys. Elizabeth Vargas, like, the, yeah, there is just a little bit of a smattering of randos. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, all right, cool. You you were fine. Something happened, and uh, and now you're not going to be on the big three. But guess what? You, we got space for you here. Yeah, right? it's like, like that's, it's kind of like you're trying to build like a like a prison team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the, a prison none football of these, team. Like, well, like yeah, none of these guys are star. bad. It's like ah, you got one scandal. Whatever, we're good. It's fine. So that's kind of how how I see that. And I see Don going somewhere there because him alone, you know. How do I know he can't stand on his own? Look at his podcast. He doesn't do the podcast yeah. anymore. He stopped doing that after like. Well, again, it was like him and Chris months. Cuomo, right? That no, banter, not even that would, one. He did yeah. one. He did another one on on his own. That didn't last very long. I think that he needs. Like I like Don Lemon. I got I got nothing against the guy. I, I think he said something stupid, and apparently there was he was also under fire for one of these they said it was probably conjecture i don't know how much of it's true by the way brian stelter still a good follow on twitter i sent you his uh twitter he used to be uh, reliable sources he literally covers the media and cnn got rid of his show like when they got new management his show was done but they let him actually say goodbye on the show which was nice and he he has um he was basically saying that one of the reasons why don was like oh is because of this interview he had with this uh with one of these candidates running and they were going back and forth and he was being a bit aggressive on like how the guy views the nra and how the nra contributed to uh to black rights or something like that it was yeah. it was weird but i that can't be the only reason it is probably residuals from the nikki haley thing or it's just like you know you pile on a bunch of issues and then you say, hey, you got to go. Also, he's not much of a draw. Like, let's be real. He's not much of a draw. No. And look, Don Lemon, his career, at least from my time of knowing Don Lemon, was always he was just the guy that filled in when someone was on vacation. He did that for years where he's just like, oh, yes. Don Lemon's in the morning. Oh, Don Lemon's here on Saturday. Oh, Don Lemon's here. He's just kind of they plug him in. And you're like, man, Don works hard because they always just throw him into what's going on. 
And so I think that's, you know, he's a bit of a journeyman in that way. And, you know, he ended up getting his evening show. And again, I thought, I, again, I think Don and Chris, they did it, you know, for what they were there to do. Oh, their dynamic was awesome. Like, it was, it was really good. Yeah. But, you know, long term, you're right. It's kind of, but again, to me, this is the difference between the more left-leaning and the more right-leaning of media. It's just different. And I think CNN will be just fine because CNN, while there isn't a Trump, right? CNN built a lot of these personalities once Trump became in office. Like they were kind of there, but like you're like, oh, who's really watching CNN? CNN, again, I mean, Trump said this. Everyone profited off the fact that Donald Trump was president, all of them. And I would say CNN profited more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Sure, so, maybe Fox News literally profited more just looking at the numbers. But CNN, as far as people watching to get... The other side of this, the other, you know, whatever CNN's ads about this is fair and balanced or like whatever. The, here's an apple and the apple is the truth or whatever that stupid commercial was. Yeah. Um, like that. that's kind of where we are. But look, I think media change. If Trump isn't there, the expectations of media are a little different and media is changing anyways. Right. No one comes to no one's sitting there watching CNN all day to get their news. It's just changing. Yeah. So Ben Shapiro is the is that's like. The, one of the top, it's like the number two podcast in the world, apparently. The Ben is Shapiro Rogan show. number one still? No. Uh, I mean, this is global reach. If you look at just pod, uh, Spotify. I guess it's Spotify Rogan, as well, Rogan's right? number one if you look at just Spotify. Yeah. And um, yeah, then Ben Shapiro will be a lot lower. But again, global reach here. But that's a voice who's larger than Tucker Carlson. But these are guys that you don't think about. That guy, um, Crowder. I, I Forgot which one it is, but there's a dude. Um, was it Steven Crowder? Steven Crowder, like he's he's a guy who's uh, who's now under fire because he was berating his pregnant wife. But this dude gets like oh a yeah, that crazy amount that. of of YouTube views. Like he's got five point nine one million subscribers on on YouTube. Right? You look at Ben Shapiro on YouTube. Uh, he's got 5.6 million. I mean, maybe they're the same 5.6, but what I'm saying is that you have all of these different communities out there that follow these guys. Who's the other one? There's another, there's a whole bunch of these, these people that you don't think about because the argument is like, oh yeah, it's like, yeah, look at the audience of, you know, Glenn Beck was the guy, then he dropped off. And then this guy, and then, uh, Bill O'Reilly was the guy, then he dropped off. It's like, yeah, Yeah. but Glenn Beck started the blaze. (laughs) You made an entire media company, you know, and I think a lot of a lot came out of there, like the amount of views that the blaze gets. They proliferate news. He did. He did. All right. The Rubin report, that guy, he's he's become a total grifter. Like there's all these there's all these people. And, and, you know, I I don't know what the deal is, because I used to like that. I used to listen to the Rubin report because the guy was seemingly in the middle calling balls and strikes. But. You know, then when you keep hearing the same, when they're repeating the talking points that all these other guys are, and they're like, well, that's clearly nonsense. Like, what happened? Yeah. Like, I actually listened the Rubin report, one of the last full episodes I listened to, and it was interesting. I, I listened to the entire thing. He did an hour long interview with Tucker Carlson. I was like, oh, that was a pretty good interview. Now I kind of get a better idea of what, hmm. of why Tucker Carlson is the way he is. But, you know, further, then the guy goes further down the line. Like, I like listening to these conversations sometimes to understand what makes these guys tick. 
Yeah, because it's because right, like you're you are you're working for a company uh-huh. and your job is to tell is to you know, your job is to make entertainment. It's to get people to watch what you're talking about. It's not necessarily just to recite the news. That died a long time ago. And like that's, you know, some people, you know, depending on what lane you're in, people are changing, right? And what does that mean for these, you know, I think that they're just going to keep making these new people because, you know, having Candace your face Owens, on television is she's going to yeah. be she's going to be she's blowing up. She's going to be huge. Yeah. They'll just keep making them. And that's why I just think I'm like if I'm Tucker Carlson, I don't necessarily know if I just want to go make my own media thing or join some other some other media company and do my own thing. I, I don't think that's what he wants to do. I think he, I think there's enough ego. And Tucker's not that old. How old is Tucker Carlson? Is he even 50? Oh man. Tucker Carlson. He, you know what? That's okay. Older, thing. you know, Paul Giamatti. I, I just looked it up. He is, you want to guess, or did you look it up already? I'm not looking it up. Uh, I'm going to say he's All younger, right. but not by much. I think he's older than we realize. I think he's like, he's younger by like a year. He's fifty-three, so it's two years. Okay, yeah, yeah. So again, but again, he's he's still he's right in the position where he could be. Again, I I think him running for president is I give it a fifteen percent chance. You think Don runs for president? No, because Don hasn't doesn't have a shot in hell in winning. I think Don should just go join Chris Cuomo and try to do something. But yeah, look, I mean, it sucks, and because yeah, again, I like Don Lemon. I thought he was fine, but Don also has a blind spot. He had a blind spot specifically with women's issues, and that became an issue. So, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I, I think uh, I think the obvious path is for I think people are looking at Tucker Carlson as like a free agent, and who's yeah. going to attract people. And he's a he's a good buy for a media company who's looking for for some ratings and. Just understand it. And, and maybe it's not a news channel, right? Because if you go to a news channel, that's the thing. Every time the guy was sued or Fox News was sued because of him, they never said he was news. Like, it's not news. It's entertainment. Yeah. yeah. So that's what happens. Maybe he goes to Comedy Central. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he completely turns around and goes, I don't believe any of that stuff. This is who I am. Like, who knows, right? He's The guy's a total grifter. Just It's, it's just what he is. He's been making money off of the grift. Yeah, exactly. All right, enough of that shit. Let's talk about, uh, let's do some media therapy, shall we? You haven't seen anything. You haven't seen anything. You played Advance Wars for probably 30, 30 minutes, if I had to guess. Uh, Maybe about an hour. Um, I did watch Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I watched that. Oh, people love it. It was How adorable. Was it? Yeah. it was great. It's, it's, it's the best of that. That universe has still some pull. Anthony Banderas as a cat is great. Or Antonio Banderas, excuse me. Um, his friends call him anthony only his friends call him tony um antonio banderas is awesome yeah yeah like it's it's a great movie and it was actually it looked really good um it's weird though it had a little like you can totally tell someone watched into into the spider-verse and was like we should do that with puss and boots because it's got a little bit of that skipping frames painterly style in some places Hmm. Um, now what if i I remember what if i remember nothing about the other movies doesn't matter fine doesn't matter all you have to know is that antonio banderas is a cat with the sword. Okay. But that's I'm assuming they and they probably tell you that right away. That's like the first two seconds of the film. Perfect. Then all right, I'll check it out. It's great because there's dancing, there's the eyes, there's the kitty thing. There's a real Alice watched it for two minutes, and it was just when like he kind of goes back to being like a real cat. He kind of retires. Oh. 
and it's just Antonio Banderas being like a cat with a crazy cat lady, and it's funny. and she was in. good. She was in immediately. Yeah, she was in, and then she was oh. out when he started, you know, sword fighting again. Mm. She just wanted to watch the... Cat Lady and cats. That's interesting. It's an interesting. You know, you could probably just go to YouTube and watch that. That's what I thought, but you know, you got it with uh, Antonio Banderas. It was cute. Um, but yeah, cool. good movie. Um, it definitely has re- deserved the awards that it won. Um, I didn't win. No, Pinocchio won Best Animated Film. It's a shame because Puss in Boots was really good. I've not seen Pinocchio. It's really good. Puss in Boots deserved all the nominations in the in the awards that it got because that movie was a lot of fun. It was good. Liked it. Yeah, I gotta watch it. Um, I saw Air. Are you familiar with this? Uh, yeah, I am. It is the Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon joint about uh, Air Jordan, about the shoes, about the deal that happened. It's the movie with, about Michael Jordan without Michael Jordan in it, right? That's right. Yeah. And I looked it up afterwards. Apparently, he Michael Jordan was consulted on it, and it was his idea to have Viola Davis play his mom. Yeah, of course. Because, yeah, so, if you're going to talk to him, be like, who's your mom, Viola Davis? <laughs> and Viola Davis, is, I guess, was like, yeah, I'll play this... I'll play the mom as long as my husband could play his dad. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. Sounds good, good to look, me. man. Uh, I love this movie. This is a great ass movie. I've heard and it's good. Yeah. I, I've never been. I, I can't think of a movie that had lower stakes that I was as invested in. Like, it's. Huh. I mean, Tetris. I, you haven't seen Tetris, right? Not yet. Because I'd argue Tetris is, I've heard them kind of talked about similarly, where it's like, you know the story, you know the ending, but you're super invested in the story, because Tetris was very similar, where you're like, you know exactly what Tetris becomes, but it's the story that they're trying to tell you, you're like, oh, what's going to happen next? And you're like, you know what's going to happen next, but it's still interesting, right? Like, it's that. Yeah, it's just fun. But also, the I think the biggest thing with this is it's such a small scope of a film. Like, it's so hmm. simple. The, the whole thing kind of takes place. 80% of this movie is just inside the Nike office. Right. That's it. Like they don't, they don't leave. I mean, there there's like a couple moments where they do and that's it. Otherwise, like this whole thing is just like Matt Damon and, um, and uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Bateman just talking to each other. Like that's most of the movie. Huh. And every so often they're like, all right, we got to talk to Ben Affleck. And then they talk to Ben Affleck and then they go and then they go back and talk to each other again. Because it's like, Ben okay, Affleck, cool. Phil Knight in this movie. Yeah, he's okay, so good. He's so good. That's the thing. That's what makes this movie work. Everybody's good. It's so well written. It's he, he directs the hell out of this thing for such a simple story. Like I did. Look, I'm not a sneaker guy. No. Surprise, surprise. Right. So. I don't I, I get it. I kind of you clearly know what's going to happen yes. based on, you know, reality. But this whole movie really only takes place over the course of like a week, hmm. maybe a little bit more. So you don't really have the time to set up stakes just because they tell you the thing that happens. You're like, all right, cool. But every character is so is so much fun in their own unique way. And like the guy who does the designing of the shoe is hilarious. And like the the it's it's just really well done. It's like it's about two hours and the thing just flies by. Like I couldn't believe how quick the movie went by. Hmm. I highly recommend this thing. It's great. It's like it's like an unpretentious um uh Sorkin movie. <laughs> okay, interesting. It's like what if we had a Sorkin movie without the Sorkinisms? And it's like then you have air. <laughs> it's like 
And yeah, I, I highly, highly, highly recommend this thing. It was it was great. Really well done. Lots of fun. And I feel like if you even if you don't give a shit about basketball or shoes like me, you're still going to have a blast just like I did. If you do like those things, there's like references and Easter eggs galore that hmm. people will be all about because they they rattle off names of players and make jokes about them. Not like haha jokes, but how they describe certain players at the time where they'll describe somebody and they'll drop a name and said, Oh, I remember that name, but I don't know why that's supposed to be funny. You know, it's just, Hey, remember that guy? Remember that guy? That's what it is to me. Yeah. So I should watch it because I probably have a bit more context. I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't call myself a sneakerhead any means, but obviously I watch sports and yes. I understand yeah, yeah, yeah. the the culture around Nike. And again, I still buy Nike shoes and, you know, I understand more of the sneaker culture, even though I'm not a sneakerhead because I don't want to spend the money. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think I think you'll really dig it. And the guy. Okay. I'm not even going to tell you this. No, just see it because yeah. they I didn't even tell you. I didn't I'm even tell you. It. Who, I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm in. I can't I can't wait. There is one performance in this movie that just steals every single scene. And I'm not I'm not even going to tell you what the role is or anything like that, because I didn't know this was even in the in the movie. But you're going to dig it. Okay. I'm All in. right. Um, that's it from a movie perspective. Obviously, watch the last episode of Ted Lasso. It's still great. Yep. Succession still strings. great. Yeah. Succession still great. Game wise, gotta make it. Got first of all, fuck Best Buy. Got to start with that. All right. Today, the day of recording, the new Star Wars game came out. Jedi Survivor. Don't have my package. I don't know who to blame. Best Buy, FedEx, both, America, Disney, <laughs> uh, the the guy Lucas, George who, Lucas, the, the guy who plays Cal Kestis. Maybe I'll blame him. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe it's Mark Hamill specifically holding up this truck. I don't know, but I'm I'm mad now. The good news, the silver lining is, I am in the middle of playing the. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 expansion, Future Redeemed. And this is apparently the culmination of all of the Xenoblade Chronicles games, except for X. No one ever talks about that game. I've never even played it. It was on Wii U, which is why. And I've just been playing the hell out of this thing. And thanks to, again, all of those possible reasons, maybe some, maybe all, who's to say? It's at least one of those things. I'm able to now just focus on playing this game until this this package eventually shows up. And holy shit, I am look, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was my game of the year last year. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. All right. And I get more of this game. What's funny is as an expansion, the way that they do these kind of games and the way they get released, press can't review it. So you kind of go in blind without right. knowing what what the reception is and I'm playing this game and this and this game, like the voice acting for these games has always had this British slant. And then once two came out, they, uh, they started adding some Welsh accents, which has been kind of wild. And then three, I thought the voice acting was superb. And then this one, like this cast of characters, and I'm like this, this, like I'm digging the story. I like the characters, but man, this, this feels like a step back. <laughs> like, like voice acting just feels like wildly misplaced. 
and the the editing of some of these cutscenes is rough. But you know, as I get into it, it's getting a little better. I'm like t- somehow I'm twelve. I'm, I already know how somehow because it's all I could think about and play because I'm <laughs> so into it. But I'm like twelve hours into this thing. It's getting better. But the reviews started to come out today, and people are over the moon. They're like, the performances are great. I'm like, what are you smoking? <laughs> that these are actually good performances. This is insane. But I'm having a blast. This is I can't recommend this to anybody <laughs> who's listening. And because this this game, this is cool because I don't think there's few things that I actually follow like to this extent, or at least have played this much to have a payoff like this. This is not a stat. You could actually just jump right into this and play this if you have the expansion pack for three. This is a payoff to Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and that expansion. Two and that prequel. Three. And now this is the culmination that ties everything together. And it's just really cool that it exists and it gets to, and I resonate with it so much because it's like you get the, you get the protagonist of one, you get the protagonist of two, you get all the references to one and two, and then you get these, the connection to three. It's, it's just really cool because you're talking about like hundreds of hours culminating into this final thing. So yeah, it's all fan service. It's only for me and anybody else who's played all three of these fucking things, but goddamn, um, I'm having a blast despite how how wonky everything around it is, <laughs> in my opinion, the execution of it is, but it's good shit, man. It's good shit. Xenoblade Chronicles. What a, cool. something special. Like I said, I'm not going to play it. I think I own one of those games and played an hour of it and was like, man, it's going to take too long. Um, but yeah, glad you're having fun. Yeah, and, uh, oh hopefully God. the Star Wars game is the Star Wars game is that's not out on PC, is it? Yeah, it is, but it apparently runs like shit. It's getting yeah. uh, review bombed because the biggest flaw that everybody has with the game is how poorly it runs, and despite mm-hmm. that, it still has awesome reviews because the game is so good. Hmm. The original is awesome too. Like if you haven't played the original uh, Jedi Fallen Order, play that, and then by the time you're finished, this game might be fixed. Yeah, okay, maybe. It's good shit, man. It's good stuff. Yeah. You got Game Pass. It's on Game Pass. And I know you don't. No, I don't. But I don't. I'm going to play Advance Wars on my couch. It's going to be great. Do that. It's fun. Yeah. So, um, I guess quickly, again, I don't want to spend, it's late for you. We can save E3 for another time because that's not something that needs to be talked about now. Yeah. Um, and we can end it. Or if you want to get into E3, because I don't have much to say other than I just randomly saw that because I was like, oh, yeah, E3 is normally around June and E3 is dead. Um, yeah. So yeah, up to you. We can end it, or you can give me five, ten minutes on E3, and then we can end it. We could talk about it for a few minutes. That's fine. All right. Go. We can talk about it. I don't know, like what there's. Obviously, I'm in the industry, so I can't necessarily say. I probably can't say certain things like sure. intentions or that kind of stuff around it. But yeah, you know, you you could just look at the the public and see what happened. Like Jeff Keeley basically ate E3's lunch, <laughs> like, and. E3, yeah, it's like I'm kind of this is this is fun because I'm like kind of walking this weird line, right? Sure. I, I could I want to say been a there lot before. More. I want to say a lot of stuff that I can't say. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, E3 kind of ended up with an identity crisis, hmm. and the the space it served became less and less relevant. And by the time they came to that realization, it was too late. 
And this was well before this year. It was well before the pandemic. I'd say it started around the time that Sony stopped attending E3. Right. Okay. E3 was originally set up as a means. It was an industry event. Yes. You had to have industry credentials to show up. It was a place for buyers at retail to see what was coming out and basically make their big orders for the holiday season. Like that was the purpose of E3. The press conferences, that kind of stuff, like you would get all these press beats and stuff to rile up fans and see a bunch of things. But at this point, the way the news cycle works for games, everything comes at you're not you don't need these big events where everybody's gathering together because everything is so fluid plus you look at what's happening to the to the mainstream game gaming press they're less relevant than ever right i'm not gonna say whether that's a good or bad thing i'd say it's a bad thing it's a net bad thing right yeah i'd say overall it's a net bad thing because people are losing their jobs and you know and to turn journalists to turn to turn around and try to make everybody an entertainer yeah is not really good for yeah it's not i mean you look at news right you go back to the tucker carlson thing right why is he so popular he's not popular because he's good at reporting news he's good because he's popular because he's engaging he tells stories right he's entertaining whether you think he's entertaining or not he's entertaining to somebody into a group of people right he is he delivers he delivers compelling narratives yes you know like that's that's why he's popular and that's what makes people popular. Look at like these these guys on YouTube are so, have so much larger of an audience yeah. than news media will ever and have. And just like Twitch as well, right? I know like the streaming in general mm-hmm. of getting news or watching someone play a game or the way that I would say the next generation of people consume this content is different from how me and you consumed it. Because, you know, back in the day, you used to buy Nintendo Power magazines. Right, yep. and you used to buy, you know, whatever I forget the other one, Game Informer. Is that the one? Sure. Yeah, magazine? Game Informer was yep. around for a while. That's all the magazines. Right? I remember doing that as a kid. You go to the store, you get a magazine, you read about the next Mario, you read about the next whatever. Yeah. And IGN came along and killed that because you don't have to buy a magazine. I can just see the review here. And yeah. what you're saying now is that that stuff is being killed by the next generation with how people are consuming. Their gaming content, whether it's reviews, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, the playthroughs, all of that stuff is more engaging than traditional. Let's all meet up once a year in June and make an industry event to for Sony to show us what they're doing next. Yeah, it's and I guess the engagement thing is more about. Yeah, it's about access. It's about. Right. You know, you could see anything everywhere. You know, you can. So. Anybody, not just the big first parties, not just Sony, not just Microsoft, not just Nintendo, they'll make their, they can use their microphone to say whatever they want, whenever they want. They don't have to be at the mercy of a convention to do it. As a matter of fact, why would they pay a separate organization to give them that microphone when they have the loudest microphone of all? You sign up for Twitter, Mm -hmm. you have millions of followers, you tweet a trailer, you put it on YouTube, and all of a sudden you've reached tens of millions of people. We're now going to tell other tens of millions of people and you don't have to compete with everybody else or shell out, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's probably not that much money to to create a stage or I mean, Nintendo's Nintendo's E3 booths were insane. 
they took up mm. so much space. So yeah, it probably was at least a hundred thousand dollars just yeah. to build the thing, at least. if not yeah. more. I mean, just thinking of staff to hire because they use like model agencies to hire people there. It, it was like that. Th- all these people did it right, and Sony bailed, and then. And it used to be Sony right next to Xbox. And I got to go to some E3s when it was still waning. And I still thought it was awesome. But once Sony left, yeah, you could see a noticeable decline in content. You know, you it wasn't like, oh, first day I'll go to the South Hall, then I'll go to the West Hall or whatever it was, right? Yeah. It was, and then the next day I'll do that. No, you do everything in one day. And you're like, all right, I saw everything. Uh, yeah. I guess the next days, if I want to wait online to play a thing, I'll do that. Right. Yeah. So the, then they opened it up to the public and it just became a big shit show. And then, yeah, you know, it became like just getting around right? the lines were crazy. Yeah. Not really, but the well, industry I mean, was that still type there. of event, right. Where it's like, cause again, what you're explaining industry event is like SIGGRAPH for visual effects artists, right. Where it's like, it's, this isn't the place that you come to talk to, you know, the people that worked on the Avengers movie. This is where you come if you're in the industry and you want to sit here and meet up with a bunch of people that you know to talk about, you know, hey, what's the latest tech that just got delivered on a bunch of films? What are some technical papers? What is NVIDIA doing as far as graphics cards? And, and that's you know, that's actually yeah. GDC. And GDC yes, has exactly. stayed that, yeah, steady. That, and- that was the point I was going to get to of like, that's GDC. So E3 wasn't doing that. And yeah. now E3 is, it's not like Comic-Con, right? Where it's like, it's not like, hey, look, we're going to come here and just pump the latest thing and get the actors and people out here to talk about what's being made. So you're right. It sat in this weird gray area that doesn't really need the promotion that you could argue GDC does because it's people talking about technology and Unreal showing you their latest engine. And it's not like, you know, Comic-Con where it's like, hey, we're just talking about we're getting together with the with the actors and the voice actors and talking about story for Diablo, right? Like it's different. Yeah. But more importantly, like you have, you know, like yesterday, the the new Armored Core trailer, that's like the latest from From Software. This is their next game after Elden Ring, right? They just dropped the trailer on a Thursday. Why? Yeah. Because they can, and that just fit yeah. within their marketing cycle. You don't. That's something that you would normally say for an E3 press conference if it was yeah. five, six years ago, but they don't have to because they can say, hey, we own the message. We put this out. We're going to own the day, and that's all that matters, right? Hey, it's out. You can pre-order. Do the thing. Have fun. You get a million views on, on the American Namco Bandai channel. You get 1.8 from Europe. You got other ones. You got a random... Let's, uh, it's not random, ACG, you know, he's posted about it. There's 121K views. Like you're talking millions upon millions of review of views just because you said it and you have reputation. All these guys who are, who would show up to those events have reputation and E3, it just becomes less and less relevant. So the only reason why people, why a company would have a showcase around that time is because it's expected for the fans. There's no real mm. business case to do it other than to rile up your fans. But you could do that anytime. Like Nintendo will just randomly be like, hey, we're doing a Nintendo Direct tomorrow and people lose yeah. their shit. And people, Everything and stops for 24 yeah. hours, no matter how many times it's whatever. It's like, oh, great. This one is, there was that one last year where there was like five farming simulation RPGs. And you're like, they all looked indistinguishable from another. And you're just like, what the hell was that? But guess what? Yeah. We're still super hyped because in January or February, whenever it was, they had another direct and Betrayed Prime Remastered came out and everybody lost their minds over a re-release of a game that's 22 years old. But who gives a shit? It's Nintendo. 
You know, yeah. they could do whatever well, the hell they want. They don't need E3. That's why they bailed out of E3 because yeah. they, who knows what they actually have to show, but they're going to be a Gamescom because that's more of a consumer event. So they're showing up to these consumer events like PAX. And that's basically the other issue with E3 is that it was redundant. It was redundant because and this is the most revealing fact of all. It was run by Reed Pop. Reed Pop is the same company that runs PAX. So what's the point? If you already have PAX West, PAX East, Gamescom, all of these things, they're all consumer-facing events. They're not industry events anymore. Keeley now runs the industry event. And we just got off of GDC in March. And we got off of DICE in February, which is like the real, that's even more inside baseball industry event. So, and there's now European events like DevGam, which I went to last year, which are like these smaller ones internationally. It's expensive to fly now. So people don't want to spend that kind of money to fly out for those kind of things when they don't have to because everything's so online now. It's like, it's a whole mountain of reasons that led to this moment. E3, last couple of years, digital, it just served no purpose because it's like, well, what's the point? Did you watch anything on the E3 coverage? No, because why would you? Mm. Who cares? You're going to watch the conferences when they air, and then you're going to leave. You're going to go and retreat to your, to your, um, you know, your influencer of choice, and you're going to see what they had to say about the thing. How do I know? Because I did that. Hmm. <laughs> I did the same thing. Or I'll watch the streaming from my influencers of choice and watch their commentary in real time on top of the thing that I'm watching. I might do yeah. that too. Like that's. That's it. It's all it's all entertainment at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just and it's not a completely yeah. and it's all online entertainment. Like the better question that you should be asking cuz I actually was thinking about this myself earlier after the Vice thing happened because Waypoint which was Vice's whole um games coverage thing, that's going to be gone in a month. They just laid off their whole staff. And the question is that the games industry needs to ask and needs to prepare for is how do how or why do places like the Hollywood Reporter still exist? Like, it's not like there's any shortage of movie influencers. There's probably even more than games influencers. Yeah, but, but the industry's a little different. How though. does the media, I, how does I, the as news someone media who's, still exist? Yeah, I mean, as someone who's talked to the Hollywood Reporter, <laughs> to someone who's done a bunch of interviews for that stuff, that stuff is heavily controlled still by Hollywood. There's still a lot. I would argue that the games industry is way more open about what they're building and what they're doing than Hollywood is by far. So, like, I'm not allowed to talk about anything, really. Like, I'm not allowed to talk about tech. I'm not allowed to talk about schedules. I'm not allowed to, like, you know, when a movie says it's going to come out at a certain date, the things that happen to make that movie come out versus games where things tend to push and it's a little different, different industry. And I'd argue that those Hollywood insiders still matter because that's a lot of controlling the message of how the six studios, and there's less than six now, there's four, right? Because it used to be the big six, and now Fox is owned by Disney, and that's kind of getting phased out. Um, and, you know, as they start to conglomerate more, and Netflix, right, that doesn't need, you know, that still needs that to push out, hey, Zack Snyder is joining us to do X, Y, and Z, or Joss Whedon is doing this, right? That's still heavily controlled by only five, six companies at the most. So it's a little different. That's why they exist is because it's heavily controlled messaging from Hollywood to make sure that the right things are pushed out at the right time. There's not an industry event, right? There's no, I mean, Comic-Con is probably the closest you get. 
but that's very specific just because the Marvel movies have taken over, right? Marvel and DC and the, those universes. And, but again, you still get walking dead. You get the odd thing that comes up, right? It's a lot of nerd culture at Comic-Con, but if you're making your regular drama movie or your Oscar movie, that message is heavily controlled with how that's advertised. How do you get Oscar buzz? It's still an insider's industry versus games. I'd argue the indie game movement has changed that a little bit. It's not the same five, six, seven game companies who are making games. So yeah, but but there are still the three big platforms. There are. I mean, yeah, four. There's still the three big Steam. platforms. Absolutely. Steam is the other big one. Yeah. But it's up to them to... I mean, Steam is interesting because it's up to everybody to kind of vie for space on their platform by drumming up wish lists and that kind of stuff. But yeah. yeah, the others, it's like the moment you get that, you get on that pedestal, like you enter, you get into one of their showcases or a direct or something like you're already guaranteed to have a, to have more visibility than any other platform you could possibly imagine. And yeah. I, I just want to say this as well is like, I don't, I'm not happy that E3 is gone. Like I, I love, I love consume. I love events. Like I, I love all that shit. You know, even going to GDC, I, I was on the floor demoing uh, Pixel Ripped on the show floor. That was that was awesome. That was my first time doing anything like that. Like, and it was it was great. So I'm all for more consumer events, but E3 meant something different, and I think it tried to become another version of the thing that they um, that they already have. Especially when you give it to ReadPop. ReadPop also manages Comic Con. Like they run comic cons, yeah. which are also partly game events too. At that point, yes, now they are. But, yeah. So if you're looking to run an industry event, then it has to serve a purpose that's unique from something like GDC. If you want to run a consumer event, it has to be unique from something like a PAX if it's game focused, right? So there needs to be a question of what is E3? Yeah. And until and and I guess this year they didn't have an answer that made it appealing enough for for various developers and publishers to show up for as yeah. opposed to saying, you know what, we're going to save our money and we'll go to PAX or. Yeah. And look, I think gonna... it's that simple, right? Like a mm-hmm. conference is only as good as the people who attend it. Or the other thing is that, Hey, you know, Jeff Keeley's putting on this, uh, this other event and it's literally right next door. So how do we know that people aren't going to like, why, why would people go to this thing when Jeff's things over there, he's going to have all the, he's got all the cloud right now. He's got the big names. Everybody, all the press speak about this thing like they love the way he set up that thing versus mm. E3, where if the industry showing up to that, they also have to wade through the whole public. That's why places like Gamescom will do two days of, I don't know exactly what the structure, but it's like there's a couple of days of people, of, uh, of the pu- people, like <laughs> what, the rest are people. There's a couple of days of public and then there's a couple of days of industry, right? Yeah. They're separated. Tokyo Game Show does the same thing, but those are regional events. And maybe that's the differentiator. Maybe that's all E3 yeah. needs to do is be like, hey, look, that's not how that's not how Summer Games Fest or whatever the hell Jeff's thing is. It's all industry. But here's the thing where you there's if if there is a US equivalent of a Tokyo Game Show or Gamescom, I don't know it off the top of my head. It's also, you know, one in the morning. So <laughs> yeah. who knows? But PAX is all consumer. Comic Con's all consumer. Yeah, there's no specific press days or industry days, right. that kind of stuff, and that that could be the differentiator. But again, yeah. people kind of set their own course at this point. Even even demoing games, 
that doesn't have to be done in person anymore. Like that doesn't even, we don't even need, you don't no. even need some codes anymore. You can, there, there was a, I forgot what the name of it, but there's like a program that was able to give people um, playable demos through the cloud and it worked pretty well hmm. and it's only going to get better. Yeah. So again, the, the tools, the technology, everything that has, that will progress in the industry is just, you know, and, and the, and again, it goes back to the, to the, source of what e3 was about which was distribution distribution's all digital now and you know who owns distribution it's those four companies sony microsoft nintendo valve that's it i mean sure you got epic game store yeah there's plenty of others but those are the big those those are enormous right they don't need anybody to determine it's like hey you want to sell your game into your platform go ahead We'll prove yeah. you. We'll run your stuff through certification. Then we'll put it on the platform. You know, you're not retail is is still on its is still dying. In uh, you know, I like physical games. Hell, that's why I'm not playing. That's why I'm not playing Star Wars because I got a because I got the physical version of it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but I can't even but, find physicals. Like I try to buy physical games, you can't even find it. It's yeah. like they don't carry it. Stores just don't and, carry it. And look, there is a there is still a strong group of people that want to buy physical. But yep. if there's one thing COVID did escalate, it is the it is the decline of the physical market. It has become it is more rare for people to buy physical now, um, which is good because you stand out more on store shelves. But yeah, at the end of the day, yeah. Well, look, I think it's interesting, and that's why it's like the game stuff is as an industry, it's different from film in that way. Um, where I'd argue again, games is, I mean, I think it's like, it's, it's multiples bigger than the film industry, which is crazy to think of, right? Film industry. Revenue revenue wise. Yeah. Revenue wise. Right. There's a lot of money floating around games a lot. And there's a lot more diversity in who's making games. And I mean that just from companies where with films, right? The, The best thing you can sort of is maybe the film festivals where if like you got a small indie thing or a small thing that you're not really sure you'll put it in a film festival. And see yep. how the reception is before you release it to theaters or before you release it to Netflix or streaming. Right. So the model's just a little different where I would argue right, those up, are more industry. They pick up distribution right. deals, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's more of the industry event, so to speak. Because I know Sundance, yes. like, you know, the the camera companies and those people show up to some of that stuff, but that's also a little bit of consumer consumer electronics as well, right? Um, so yeah, like it's just film's different, which is why E3 was always interesting, because at least as a kid. I got all the, hey, E3's coming. This is when everything gets announced. This is when you find out that they're making another Gears of War game. This is when you find out they're doing XYZ. But you're right. You don't find out now. A trailer pops up on YouTube. It gets a couple million views. All the people react to it. That's your that's your E3 coverage. That's it. And you do it when you want, whenever you're ready. If you're not ready, you wait. And that's much easier model for, for marketing and advertising. And it works better. So hard to argue. Yeah. So All right. Well, go. thanks for that. There's, there's um, your long answer. Yeah. And I'll miss your, it. Yeah. I will miss yeah. it. But I got some in. I'm, I'm happy that I got to go to E3, you know, before at least a couple times before Sony left. That's actually where I played PSVR for the first time. There you go. You know, it's, um, rest in peace. Cool Maybe you'll come back one day in a new form. Maybe. I think it will. I don't think, I don't think it's dead forever. I think it'll come back and it'll be a thing. I, I mean, who knows? They might, they might find success in moving it somewhere else. Um, people talk about how annoying it is. Like imagine a, imagine putting E3 in a kind of a cheaper city where 
it's it's a hub for a place for people to go to, but it's not it doesn't break the bank to stay at or eat at or mm-hmm. any of these things. Like that was one of the biggest things people were complaining about at GDC. It didn't stop everybody from showing up. And a lot of that, a lot of that industry is on the West Coast, but it's an international conference. Yeah. Like imagine putting a I don't know, here's like a crazy thought. Like, what if you put E3 in Chicago? Yeah. Or what if you move it, right? Like that was SIGGRAPH for a while. You moved it and it became an industry event of, hey, we're going to New Orleans. Now they stopped that because it's not beneficial financially. But, you know, I think SIGGRAPH now goes between Vancouver and L.A. Um, yeah. But before, and now they've got SIGGRAPH Asia as well. That kind of goes to Japan, Australia, kind of bounces around where industry people are. So there's some years that, you know, hey, everyone's going to everyone's going to SIGGRAPH. And other years it's like, well, we're not going to Vancouver this year. Like it just kind of depends, right? Um, which I think helps because then you get different groups of people, different years, depending on what, you know, we can say, Hey, we're aiming for the SIGGRAPH two years from now instead of this year. And you get a nice balance. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like the, it's not like the LA convention center is enormous. No. Compared to, I mean, it's big, but it's not, it's not enormous. Yeah. And it's it's like, and it's, and it's old enough. It's fine. It's like, it's a decent size. I don't think like LA convention center is not as big as. Obviously, you go to New York. That's that's basically more expensive than the others, yeah. but it's it's more palatable for European people. Yeah. Um, plus, Easy. you're New York. You get, you get better pizza. So the but like the Javits Center is, I think that's bigger than the LA Convention Center, right? Yeah, I think so. Feels like it. I don't know. I'm saying yeah. there's options. I think it'll come back. Yeah, um, but I mean, like even like Vancouver, right? Vancouver, they have to be creative, and they yeah. have to they just have to figure it out because the the biggest thing that was going to be at E3 this year was a bar. There was a PR company <laughs> that was tweeting about how they're setting up a bar inside. Yeah, like that's it. just not enough. It's not enough. And it's like, uh, for whom? Yeah. Yep. It's not enough. Yeah. You need, you need content. You need a reason to go. And churro borough is closed. <laughs> so I'm not going to LA for that. Sure. All right. All right. Let's, let's get you to sleep. <laughs> that's right. Going to go to sleep so I can wake up tomorrow and play more Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Future Redeemed. I need to redeem the future, you know? It's not going to redeem itself. <laughs> anyway, he's abroad.com. Check out the links. Subscribe. Review us. Do all the things. Do the thing. And uh, yeah, I'm too tired to, I don't even know what else I say. Till next time. <laughs>